to Accent of Women, a show by and about women from diverse cultures and languages in Australia and around the world. I'm Lourdes García Larquid, and on today's show, we will be speaking about the peace process in Colombia. The internal armed conflict in Colombia is one of the longest continuous armed conflicts in the world. It certainly is in Latin America, and has recently come under the international spotlight after a plebiscite in which people voted against the implementation of a peace agreement to put an official end to over 50 years of bloodshed. It also came under the spotlight after the bestowment of Colombian President Juan Manuel Santos as the 2016 Peace Nobel Prize. The Colombian conflict, there are more than 8 million victims. That includes around 260,000 violent deaths, about 7 million internally displaced people, about 100,000 people disappeared. This conflict is long and definitely complex, and sadly we won't have the opportunity to discuss it in this program. But in recent years, the two main actors of the conflict, the government, represented by President Juan Manuel Santos, and the largest guerrilla organization, the Revolutionary Armed Forces of Colombia, or FARC-AP, sat together to begin a series of peace talks that have resulted in a signing of a peace agreement to put an end to the long war. The talks began in Havana, Cuba, with the mediation of countries such as Norway and Venezuela. Once vital issues such as agrarian and land development and reform, political participation, the solution to the illegal drug problem, the reparation of victims, and putting an end to the armed conflict were discussed, an agreement was signed. But its implementation was subjected to a plebiscite in which the Colombian people had the opportunity of accepting the agreement or not. In a surprising move, On the 2nd of October, the campaign for not accepting the agreement won. To talk about this topic, I spoke with a Colombian woman who does not wish to be identified and who has been a Latin American solidarity and peace activist in Melbourne over the last couple of decades. You are listening to Accent of Women. So today we will be talking about the like putting an end and the hopes to put an end to an, a very long war process that has, ta has been taking place in Colombia over the last 50 or 52 years. So this putting an end to, to this war has brought a lot of uh, expectations to people that over the last four years have witnessed the negotiations between the Colombian government and the biggest uh, insurgent movement, the FARC. So what has been some of the expectations that people have had in regards of these peace negotiations in Havana? Well, I think that um, the majority of Colombians, and myself, of course, uh, were expecting that this accord was going to be signed, which was signed, but also agreed by Colombians. We thought that the, the sea was going to win. Um, why we wanted that? Well, 50 so years in, in suffering um, that kind of war in the countryside mainly and affects, of course, the cities in a, in a different way. But um, it's something that we all want. I mean, people are sick and tired of, of, um, of this, this constant fight between 
the Garillan Mulna and the and and the, the Colombian uh, uh, military. So people really want peace now. People want to to be uh, in a country where you can go out without any problem. You don't feel that you're going to be kidnapped and and so on. So that's the kind of things that people are tired of suffering. Yeah, and that will be in the in the city because in the countryside, well, it's uh, more no? like being having your crops being fumigated, having the army, the paramilitaries, and the guerrilla recruiting your children. So it's a bit like really, really a, a big conflict. Yes, absolutely. I mean, the 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 most amazing thing is that. The government was asking, the plebiscite was asking for yes and no. And most of the people who say no, who say yes, sorry, who say yes to the peace agreement were exactly the people were the places where they are more affected. And those people are the people who have suffered really firsthand everything that's happened in life, for example, kidnapping, um, having bombs thrown to your house and and uh, the the uh, a loose a loose uh, a bullet that goes to you and I mean so many problems that that created um, those people vote yes and they are ready to forgive they are ready to work and and have peace and and work with these people and and so on so the the problem is that the, the those that that uncertainty that uncertainty and that uh, situation of violence and situation of insecurity and so on. It wasn't only produced by the guerrilla movement, it was also produced by the paramilitaries and by the military themselves. So so it's very complex. It's a very mm. complex um, society. Yeah, so but bo both parts and for what I had been researching, also the people got invited to these negotiations, like people uh, that representatives of the Afro-Colombian communities, indigenous organizations, women's organizations, etc. Um, so they had been discussing, what topics had they been discussing that then people decided to say, we don't like this agreement, but what does that agreement contain? Well, the, the agreement has a lot of pages, it has a lot of things, but uh, it's a very long document. But there are some important issues, like, for example, land reform. That is something that is important in Colombia. The peasants, the people who who have been displaced. The other thing is that, don't forget that Colombia, there have been about 5 million people displaced, displaced from their own, they are, they are refugees in their own country. Um, those displaced people have a lot to do with with the paramilitaries um, and um, wanted to take the land of these people. So it's, it's, it's one of the things that really is needed urgently is a land reform. The, the people who live in more disadvantage in the Colombian society are the people in the countryside. I mean, of course, like a lot of places, they don't have they don't have um, really uh, water, uh, drinking water, electricity. They don't have access to anything. They don't have access to good 
public health system, they don't have access to good education system, no possibilities, no no future for the for the young and so on. So so those people who suffer more and at the same time were the ones are the ones who really wanted the, the peace the peace agreement to be accepted very badly. And the, there were some cities where they don't um, they didn't vote, they, they know, won't. And uh, it's very sad. We are in a very difficult situation at the moment, but I still hope that an agreement could be reached. Um, and uh, if, we need, if they need to make some changes, small changes to the document, they may be happy to do it. Um, the last thing that I heard was that the, the government said that on the 31st of October, is the last day to to see if there is going to be, you know, the 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 the, the guerrilla movement are going to um, turn down the the weapons. So, mm-hmm. or, or the or the war will continue. So we don't know. They they have some places where the guerrillas could displace, go there and hand in the weapons and hand in all the things they have and so on. Um, so let's see what's going to happen. But uh, the government is very hopeful that he will be able to talk to the people who was promoting the no, put them at the table, have them at the table and discuss what is it that they, they don't agree with. Yeah, so what's, the, what's precisely the proposal? Like we, we... If you just tuned in, we are talking about the recent peace agreement in Colombia, an agreement that has been rejected by the Colombian people on a plebiscite. I spoke with a Colombian woman who does not wish to be identified and who has been a Latin American solidarity and peace activist in Melbourne over the last couple of decades. On the 2nd of October, Colombians were called to the polls. Only 37% of the eligible population participated. And of that, the no, the no campaign, triumphed with just 50.23%. That was just over 50,000 votes. If you just tuned in, you are listening to Accent of Women on Satellite Across Australia. We are discussing a little bit about how these plebiscites and who voted yes and no. As you said, people who have directly suffered the well, the harshest part of the pain in the in the conflict. Yeah, that ha- have have experienced the toughest part of the war that they say like, okay, well, willing to accept that this peace may not be perfect, but we want peace. And so one of, of these. Of course, it will be perfect, but it does have some elements of making the society more fair. For example, they t- they discuss um, to help the victims and to um, help them economically. The guerrillas are happy to give them money um, or that what they have. There was also an agreement on the reform in the media. The, the, our media is very. Polarized. It's only one side of the story. Nobody else has an uh, opportunity to to present their platforms or talk about, uh, you know, what uh, what they they um, they proposing and so on. So, so it's a very unequal society. I mean, it's not really um, society where everybody has a say. So this peace agreement wanted to repair that and make it a very more just society. Because you can't have peace without social justice. 
and that is exactly what they address the social justice and and uh, some people doesn't like that well yeah for, exactly there is a lot of people who are benefiting from the statu quo and from and from the war uh, but well let's yes. let's talk a little bit uh, about that in a, in a in a minute so we are saying that the the agreement talks about a very important agrarian reform that uh, that was actually a very key issue when this conflict started more than 50 years ago precisely the lack of agrarian reform also political participation and inclusion Uh, how to finish this armed conflict and also what to do with the very big problem of problem problem of illegal drugs, uh, victim reparation and and well those are the main topics that were that, that were addressed. But for what I had been researching and talking to people like you, people who voted no, uh, like being influenced by certain elements of society opposed two main things that one was one was the possibility of political or the so-called possibility of political participation of the what would be a demobilized guerrilla movement and also what was going to happen um, what was going to take take to finish the conflict and that was going to happen with um, the guerrillas particularly if there was going to be any judicial processes going against them. So who was well, behind this no campaign and what was their ideas that they were promoting? Well, I don't think they had they, they got any plan B or they got any precise ideas what to to change to make the changes. But the person the, the there is a a, a movement uh, Leader, leader, um, by an ex-president of Colombia called Álvaro Uribe. He is the, the promoter of the no. And fortunately, after the, the, the plebiscite, the person who was in charge of the campaign, the no campaign, told the, told the whole country what they did. And He said very clearly that the main the main objective was to get people angry and vote no angrily. And they also told us that they had three different kind, kind different ways of approaching the campaign. They will say things to the rich, for example, or uneducated and all that. People they talk about the fact that they were going to be in the government, the, the guerrillas were, were going to be allowed to be a party and participate in the political scene of Colombia, being uh, one more party that could, could become elected. And they also said that in the, in the lower classes and in the countryside, they concentrated the campaign telling people that they were going to get money, therefore there would be money for them. And, and also that the Colombian the Colombian system was going to become like Cuba, um, a communist country. There was not going to be private property and so on. So they have very strong images in the in the in the so-called now the the media the um, 
internet media, no sé cuál es, de social media, where they put the Santos, which is the president, they, they dress him as a guerrilla, and the, 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 the guerrilla leader was dressed as president. So those kind of images, you don't need words for that. That, that was very, very strong. So they, they, they campaign was even dirty. It was, it was not really um, truthful. It wasn't really explained to people what the agreement was about. It was just a, a scare campaign. And uh, so it was very effective. The, the person who, who did the campaign said that um, it was a very cheap campaign because he, he will send something in Facebook and he will get hundreds of responses of people who were really scared about that, how the country was going to become. So, um, which is not the case because you, they didn't read the document very well. For example, they, um, they didn't care about talking about the real issues in the document. That was not what they did. They used propaganda machine. They used the social media to give people very wrong ideas of what the agreement was about. They, when you talk to people who were for the now, they said, we don't want impunity. But my response to that is impunity. Colombia, there are so many. The, the impunity is part of the society, is part of the culture. Um, and there are so many people who are in the government who should be in jail, right? So, so what are we talking about impunity here? They haven't read, they haven't understood that there is going to be, a, they, one of the things in their court is a commission which is going to see who really is guilty of different crimes and they're going to be they're going to be um, judged right but other people like who are in the government also going to be judged so that's what people don't like the, it was just giving free range to the guerrillas who have committed like terrible crimes and well there's free range for the government for the paramilitaries and they are not being tried either. Like, and I'm not saying that people should not be tried, like if there are crimes uh, that, that should be addressed. But yeah, like it should be for everyone, including, and something that hasn't really been mentioned uh, very openly, is the role of multinational corporations and Colombian corporations that have been supporting paramilitaries uh, that have Absolutely. also taken part of this conflict. Absolutely. The problem in Colombia is with the paramilitaries is very difficult because it's complex because if the paramilitaries don't give up the arms and if they don't stop existing, it, it won't be safe for the guerrillas to be, to be participating in the political scene. It, it won't be safe because we did have the experience already. That happened before where there was a movement that there was a party called UP who participated in elections um, and there were guerrillas there, people who, who were uh, guerrillas before. And and anybody who was elected in in a little town, in a, in a country, in, in, a, in a town, as a mayor or, or government or whatever, they got killed. And, and, and that's, that's, that's 
the possibility that that kind of thing will happen again. Of course, now will be more difficult because of the globalization, there's more information, there's more people wanted to help, there are the United Nations there and so on, but, but still it, it needs to be absolutely confirmed that those people are not there to do that kind of thing again, to, you know, that, that the military, the, the paramilitaries are not there, um, free to do whatever they, they have been doing. Mm. So there are, there, there are a lot of people in Colombia who have done really terrible things, you know, not only the guerrillas and not only the paramilitaries, the, the military system too, I mean, it's, it's, it's too complex, you know, that, and also for, for another side, the, the, the trafficking, which in their core, in the, in the agreement, they have decided that that's another issue that they're going to tackle, they're going to see how how are they going to make sure that people don't need to to more fair distribution, for example, and also, for example, what are they going to, how are they going to solve the problem of the poverty because people use um, the, the illicit drugs to, to get out of poverty. So, so it's a very complex thing. It's not, it's not an easy, it's not an easy um, problem to solve. Yeah, exactly. Like one thing is like these big narco bosses that move millions of dollars, but the people who are producing coca leaf and other drugs is like that's the only opportunity they have to get some pesos to survive. But well, so despite all these issues, despite people and not many people voting no to this in this plebiscite, both the government of Juan Manuel Santos and the leadership of the FARC have decided that they will continue talking, will continue to promote peace and fight for that to be a reality. But what does yes. that mean? What We talk a little bit, well, there is, doesn't seem to be a lot of warranties, even if, if, if the peace is properly signed, but what is going to take? What, what, does, what does that mean, that they will continue to nego negotiate while people have said no? No, well, they call him at the table for discussion and, and, and they prepare to make some small changes to the accord to to be able to put bring those people. For example, they they invited Uribe already to to be part of the of the table of discussion, right? But uh, I just hope that because he does, he, even though he promoted the no, he keeps saying that he is for peace, right? Okay, so he is for really peace and for reconciliation. The problem is, people talk about peace, but they don't think about social justice, and they don't think about the reconciliation, they don't think about peace, um, forgiving, forgiving uh, to all, all the, 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 the atrocities that have been committed. You need to, to be prepared to, to forgive and to accept that, that, that the accord has a lot of different agreements that are very good to improve the Colombian society. But I cannot see how those people are going to accept the, the fact that they the, the got a commission to judge, not so only the guerrillas, but to judge any politician or anybody who has, done, who has committed horrible crimes. 
So I'm not sure how they're going to solve that one. I'm sure that there will be somebody who has a very good idea and I'm sure that they could maybe have an agreement. But because I hope that because they keep saying that they also want peace, the ones who say no, they also want peace. But one thing, good thing is, Lord, is that last week there were big demonstrations in the three main cities that, that uh, in the three main cities of Colombia. In Bogota, there was a huge one, and it was it was beautiful from the point of view. There was a lot of people, and most it was promoted by the young people at the universities. In Medellin, where where Uribe is from, and that people say that, Uribe, that Antioquia is the whole the, the state of where Medellin is. Medellin is the capital of that state called Antioquia, and Antioquia was for no. But young, a lot of people came out to the streets and say, we are not for the no. Mm-hmm. You know, the people wanted to say, no, we are not. We want peace too. So everybody wants peace. The no people and the yes people. So so because of that, there is a hope that they are happy to maybe we can have an agreement, you know, come to an agreement in certain points. They, um, Uribe said that he was happy for to give an, an amnesty to the the, the black and file guerrillas. No, he he insists in putting in, in jail the the leaders of the guerrilla movement. So I don't know which guerrilla movement is going to accept that and and have the leaders in jail. And, and and not participating in politics. I don't mm. think that that will be that will be possible. But you never know. We never thought that an agreement could be possible. One of the things that and the reason why perhaps Santos won the Nobel Peace Prize is because of that. Because he was the defense minister during the time of Uribe's government, and I'm sure that because he saw that it was impossible to win this war through military activity. And he had the idea of having this this peace accord, this peace agreement. And, this, and, and even though it took him four years. Well, yeah. And, well, he pres- pre- played a very important role like commanding this military operation that involved invading another country. Ecuador that no one has been tried for that either but but well yeah there, there is definitely good intentions on on having these agreements but I think that um, the the willing the will to to finally sign it and and make it possible is there we just spoke about the recent peace agreements in Colombia and the hopes for peace in the future Well, this conversation led me with more questions than answers, but hopefully we can continue to discuss this topic. If you want to hear this show again or any of our other programs, you can download the podcast from the 3CR website, go to the Accent of Women page and follow the links to this week's show. Accent of Women is produced in the Melbourne studios of Community Radio 3CR with the financial assistance of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. This show is distributed nationally via the Community Radio Network with special thanks to the Community Broadcasting Association of Australia. 
If you want to get in touch with the producers of this show, you can write to us at accentofwomen at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter or on Facebook. Thanks for tuning into the show today. I'm Lourdes Garcia Larque, and I look forward to your company again in our next program. <laughs>